Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. Perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning. And welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in and being part of it. It is uh, the Michael Duke Show, and it is hump day, middle of the week, uh, downhill slide. But more importantly, it is the post-mortem on the local elections. And uh, wow, just all I could say this morning is wow. Uh, it is uh, absolutely astonishing to see what took place in the various uh, uh, communities, but m- I guess most surprising to me was what took place uh, in the interior uh, over uh, from yesterday. Um, and I mean, I guess I should just lead with the bad news. The interior has flipped completely blue. Um, I mean, just, just completely, it was like a full sweep in the borough wide election, uh, which included the school board seats and the assembly seats. And it, um, well, it's, it's just, it's just shocking. Um, uh, what, uh, what, what, what is, what has gone on there? Just absolutely shocking to see what's, uh, what happened? And I'm going to give you some of the rundown here. We're going to do a little bit of discussion on it. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the numbers. And then we're going to talk with uh, Ben Carpenter, who's going to come on board and talk with us about the um, – uh, <laughs> he's going to talk about the, the – uh, not the results, but basically the consequences of local elections. And so this ought to be an interesting, an interesting day. And uh, it's going to be, uh, it'll be, it, it's, I, I got to be honest, you know, I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shocked at not just the, um, at not just the, uh, uh, the, the results, but uh, at kind of how it broke down and laid out. And uh, I'm going to try and do. I'm going to try and talk a little bit about why I think some of the things happened the way that they did, and we will uh, we will go from we'll go from there. Uh, we'll go from there and see and see what happens. Uh, but we'll we'll start there uh, to begin with. All right. So, <clears throat> wow, uh, interesting, interesting stuff uh, for sure. Let's let's get started. So uh, down on the KPB, that was Kenai Peninsula Borough. They had some interesting. Um, they had some interesting things come on here, and uh, and and again, I think it shows why why your your participation definitely matters. There's a couple close races 
uh, one of which uh, includes uh, Assembly District 3, which is the Nikiski area down in um, uh, down in uh, uh, Homer. And in the Nikiski area, um, Peter Ribbons is currently edging out Adam Bertoldo, who we had on the program here last week, by five votes. Five votes is what we're looking at right now. Uh, so again, this is why this is why again your your participation does uh, does matter. Um, of course, Peter Machicki running unopposed, um, Adam T- uh, Ryan Tunseth running unopposed, but that three per, that th- just that five vote margin, three hundred and sixty two to three hundred and sixty seven is uh is is pretty interesting uh in that district and because kenai is not in fairbanks all the districts are at large so you can basically vote for everything but in kenai somebody said yesterday on the program i went out and voted and i couldn't vote for the assembly it's because your assembly member wasn't up and for re-election and it's a district by district basis so each district has a different voter turnout um, in District uh, 3, where Bertoldo and Ribbons were fighting, 15.5% voter turnout. 749 out of almost 5,000 people. So, not, not, not great. Not great. But that was better than District 5 in Sterling, where Bill Elam did uh, basically, he, it was a 3-to-1 uh, victory for Bill Elam, but they only had a 7% Seven six point eight eight percent voter turnout. Ugh. Down in Homer, um, Heath Smith was defeated by Kelly Cooper um, in a pretty significant, uh, pretty significant win there. Uh, Heath Smith uh, with three hundred and forty eight votes. Co- Cooper pulling in another hundred and thirty votes on top of that, um, and but only again a thirteen point six nine percent voter turnout for that um uh for that race itself uh and then you get down into the board of education uh lindsey bertoldo is defeated by jason Terranian. Terranian. i hope i'm saying that right um and uh kelly sizek who is running for the board of education did defeat beverly rominen and then um um Carrie, Debbie, and Diana McRae. McRae wins that one with uh, just about 15 votes. Uh, 17 votes, sorry. 17 votes total. But again, these districts, like 6.88, You know, I can understand only having a 4% voter turnout in a, in a, in like a fire service area or something like that, where they have one person running. Okay, great. One person's running. Do I really need to participate? Probably not. But there were more than just that going on, right? Because you had the, you had the, uh, you had other elections. Well, no, because the mayor was running unopposed. Overall, in the whole borough, out of 52,000 voters, only 8.85% of the voters actually showed up, (laughs) which just... This goes right back to what I was talking about yesterday with uh, there's people throwing their hands up in the air and walking out and being like, well, it's a, but overall, 
the peninsula stays, you know, I, I think pretty stable for what it has. It'll be interesting to see because I couldn't find on the website whether or not the absentee ballots had been counted yet or not. So uh, in the Fairbanks, on the Fairbanks website, they, they lay that out, but on the KPB one, they didn't. Um, so I don't know if this number is going to change, if they'd already pre-counted all the absentee or question ballots. Um, this number between Bertoldo and Ribbons could change. If that is the case, but if, if they've already done all that, then this is kind of the unofficial, official, unofficial results. All right. But in Fairbanks, my Lord, it was a slaughter. An absolute slaughter. Um, Tammy Wilson, um, who is usually pretty good for, you know, if you were going to take even money, it'd be a pretty good even money bet that she could... Uh, win most races, uh, in this case, it wasn't even close. 7,300 votes for her opponent, Liz uh, Reeves Ramos. 6,500 votes for Tammy Wilson. What's interesting to look at in this, though, is that in the Fairbanks North Star Bro, they list the early voting, and you can see how many, how many votes for each candidate uh, was in the early voting category. And what, what's really interesting here is that it's just real consistent on who voted where um, in the early voting category. Because during the election day, it was pretty darn even. 59-45 for Tammy Wilson, 59-22 for, for Reeves Ramos. Um, but it was in the early voting that the, uh, that the competitors here really, that you see where the support went. 1,437 votes early voting for Ramos, 567 for Tammy Wilson. And that pretty much lays true for almost every race that's out there. 1,400 early votes for the progressive candidate, about 500, 5,500 for the conservative candidates every time. Um, and you could just see this goes through time and time and time. Otherwise, the day of election results, pretty close each and every day. Um but Tammy Wilson, 52% for Reeves Ramos, 46, almost 47% for Tammy Wilson. Uh, in the Jimmy Cash, Nick's, Nick LaJeunesse race, 52% for LaJeunesse, 47% for Jimmy Cash. In the Scott Crass, Aaron Gibson race, 52%, almost 53% for Scott Crass, 46.7% uh, for Aaron Gibson. In the school board races, um, same thing. Again, look at this early voting. 1,436 early votes for Tim Duran, 532 for Michael Humphrey. It's that 14,500, 14,500 each, every. They were out there. They were getting it done. Tim Duran, 55% of the vote. Michael Humphrey, 44.5% of the vote. Um, April Smith and Bobby Burgess. Um, Bobby Burgess, 56% of the vote. April Smith, 43% of the vote. Um down to the Maggie Matheson and Meredith Maple. 54, almost 55% for Maple, 44.6% for Matheson. Uh, and these were races. This is why I think, first of all, engagement matters, getting more people out there to talk about it. But also, I'm wondering how much all the additional monies that came into this in regards to, I mean, we were talking yesterday about dark money, right? You know, it wasn't just dark money. It was uh, it was the, the PAC money and everything else. There was a tremendous amount of money poured into these races. And I'm just wondering how much of a difference that made. 
I mean, when you've got an organization that's uh, putting non-candidate money in there to the tune of $20,000 a whack, um, yeah, you got to start asking questions like, does it matter? Apparently. Apparently it does matter. I mean, this is, for me, this is kind of a sad day to see what's going to happen in Fairbanks. Uh, I mean, this, quite honestly, this swing, um, this swing is one of the reasons why I left Fairbanks to begin with. I could see which way it was going. I was on the assembly. I was watching it turn progressively blue. I was seeing people throwing their hands up and being frustrated. And for me, when you're doing a pro-con checklist of whether or not I want to leave a community, that was one of them. It was definitely one of the things that I'm like, well, okay. Um, But just absolute bloodbath in Fairbanks for conservatives. Um, and so here we go, swinging blue. Um, I'd be honest, this would be the, I would immediately be withdrawing all my kids from school. Uh, there's just no way with this school board and some of the things that were said and the the things that were talked about at the debates and kind of the things that were being slung back and forth. I <clears throat> I just don't I just don't even know. And and the worst part is I feel bad for those that remain. I feel bad the two conservative candidates that are left on the assembly. Oof, you guys. I'm so sorry. This is going to be brutal. You are going to have an unfun time for the remainder of what's going on. This is not going to be good. So, I mean, this is some tough stuff, folks. Absolutely positively tough stuff. We'll have to see what, uh, we'll have to see what goes on. All right. We are getting ready to, um, to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Ben Carpenter, um, about just in general about the consequences of elections and what does it mean? Double rainbow. What does it mean? We're going to have those discussions and more. The Michael Duke show continues. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. It's just disappointing, isn't it? I mean, I'm just, I don't even know what to say at this point, watching this stuff going on and seeing what's happening. Let's go over here to, um, let's go over here and get things ready. Uh, Ben Carpenter's been kind enough. He's been hanging out in the green room for a minute. But I needed to get I needed to get that out of the way because that was, I mean, it's just painful to watch. Uh, ben Carpenter, I guess. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? Good morning. We're going to try this internet thing again this morning. How how is my video and audio coming oh, man, across? You, you look great. You look great. You sound great. Um, you must have upped your bandwidth or got Starlink or something. But whatever it is, you look good. It's it, <laughs> It's good stuff. Yeah, there's there's less there's less carbon in the air around here now. Yeah, that's what it is. Is less carbon. Whatever it takes to get the to get it going on. Um, ben, I appreciate you coming on. I asked Ben yesterday to come on board just to talk a little bit about it because there are consequences for uh, there are consequences for election. 
Um, and um, we're going to see that here in the future, especially uh, up in the interior now. Uh, that that whole thing is going to change. We've seen the pendulum swing back and forth, and now we're swinging back to a full on, uh, you know, raging blue um, blue assembly. So I, I want to get into that and everything else. But anyway, how's how's everything been going? How's uh, how's the summer treated you? Whatever summer we had there, how do, how did that treat you this year? Yeah, we had really good four days, and I guess maybe the fall uh, has done pretty good. We've had a little bit of drying out, and uh, I got a. <clears throat> a cold weather greenhouse um, constructed. It's not complete yet, but um, I've at least had some dry days to be able to get the the wood put together. Oh, good. And you're so you're gonna you you grow growing growing flowers early. Is that the plan with the greenhouse? Gonna get get a little jump <clears throat> on it or? No, I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is, and I'm, we're gonna start growing food. My greenhouse is a a small. It'll it'll feed my family, right? It's twenty by twenty. And it's an insulated greenhouse. And this may be um, a greater discussion that we could have at, a, at another time. But basically, I want to be able to grow food year-round. And I want this to be a proof of concept for a much larger operation so that we can provide food to all Alaskans. Nice. Well, that's what we've, we've talked about it on this program several times, the idea of food security and being able to produce ourselves and try and find a way to make it work. Um, surprisingly, um, what's really interesting is that a lot of the um, ideas that I've run across over the last few uh, over the last few years have all centered around early concepts for um, early concepts for food growing facilities that were concepted to be built on Mars or the moon or other places uh, because they they basically check all the boxes. With the exception of air, they check all the boxes, you know, cold, different sunlight, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting to see how people kind of overcome those challenges uh, in an area that, uh, well, you guys have got more sunlight than, than even here or in the interior, but, you know, lack of sunlight, cold temperatures, freezing, how do you keep it warm? Is it cost effective? You know, does your head of lettuce cost you $12 or do, can you do it for a buck a piece or something? You know, it's, it's, it's really an interesting thought exercise. And I'm, I'm happy to see that you're, uh, like you said, putting your money where your mouth is that, that we should have a show on that because I think that's a fascinating concept. We need to be more self-reliant in those areas. Um, I'm not saying that we should change everything to Alaskan grown, uh, right away because it will be more expensive. It's, it's, it's going to happen. That's just how it works. It's going to happen. But, um, definitely, uh, a chance to at least provide for yourself and your local community wouldn't be a bad thing at all. The long pole in the tent is energy. We've got to have low cost electricity. Yeah. If you're going to grow in Alaska year round, you're going to have to do it indoors and you're going to have to supplement your um, light. Yeah. You have to have artificial light, which means you have to have electricity. Yeah. So whether, whether it's uh, low cost electricity through tapping our natural gas resources or low cost through um, other means. That's the future. Yeah. Um, solar and solar and wind are not going to cut it um, for 100% uh, reliance and reliability for growing food indoors. We're going to yeah. have to do something that taps into our natural resources. All right, Ben Carpenter is our guest. We're about to jump into it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Mm -hmm. Like and share, like and follow. Do all the YouTube things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera etc. Let's get to it. Here we go.
All right, welcome back to the program. <clears throat> Continuing this morning, uh, doing a little bit of election postmortem and talking about the consequences of local elections. Joining me to discuss is Representative Ben Carpenter from down in the uh, south uh, uh, peninsula there in the Kiski area. Uh, he is coming on board to chat with us a little bit about this. I had no idea what the elections were going to be yesterday when I invited Ben on. And now we've kind of seen this spread across the state, uh, different results. And, um, you know, some of it kind of disappointing. Uh, let's uh, let's start off, Ben, and and talk a little bit about it. Um, the, uh, the, the turnout, uh, again, I can understand in single races where there's only a single, uh, you know, single competitor. I can understand to be low voter turnout, but some of these races barely breaking the barely breaking the double digit mark as far as um, voter turnout and response. And somebody just joined over on Twitch uh, watching us on the show this morning, and he said he didn't even know there was an election yesterday. Is what is what he said. And uh, so, I mean, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the 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 you know voter turnout and how these local elections are going to affect us and what you see as being you know the biggest dangers uh and you know what we can do to try and fix this i mean there's low voter turnout across the state i, I didn't see anything that broke the 20 percent mark which means that you've got a fraction of people who are making decisions about everything else and i just don't know why people aren't more involved let's start there i guess well, good morning, Michael. <clears throat> I, I it's interesting. Um, sometimes we hear excuses uh, in November, October, when uh, when weather is inclement, that uh, people just couldn't get to the ballot ballot box because of of bad weather. Well, I don't know. Down here in the Kenai Peninsula, we've <laughs> we've had pretty much a non non eventful summer. Uh, the sun only came out a few days, right? And but yesterday yesterday was bright and sunny, so potentially maybe it was just too good a weather and people couldn't find their way to the ballot box. I don't, I don't know how else other to ex explain it. Um, it's, it's a sad state of affairs and maybe one of the things that we should consider, and I don't know whether we're talking solutions today or not, or just commiserating, but no, no, I mean, um, I, I, we, want, we don't want to offer something without, and if you've got a solution, we'd like to hear it. We're definitely not opposed well, to some kind of solution. <laughs> All politics are, are all uh, elections and all politics are local politics, right? So why do we have an election in October and then an election in November sometimes, right? Why do we separate the dates? Why not just have one date where we come together to do elections oh, and that be what, what we do? You've immediately right? hammered so, on my biggest pet peeve. I mean, I'm just like, okay, so in the interior and on the peninsula, it's the local elections. But in Wasilla or in, in Matsu, it's not, except for the city of Wasilla and the city of Palmer. Oh, but in Anchorage, it's not till April. And then, you know, and then the one in Matsu is in November. And I mean, how can people keep track? No wonder people go, I didn't know. I thought it was in November. I mean, you know. Why do we have all these separate, have one ballot, have it in November, have it on the same first Tuesday or second Tuesday, whatever, of every of every November, where all the elections fall on one thing? You want to talk about low voter turnout, they go one time a year or every other year or whatever, and there it is. Why are we making it so complicated? And, and I can guarantee you that people know when Labor Day and Memorial Day are coming. They've got the exactly. barbecue out. They are they are ready for those days. Right. right? They know they know so, Christmas. So they potentially, know yeah. Potentially, we need to have a holiday, and and I'm <laughs> I'm normally the guy that resists adding more holidays, 
to the calendar, but um, we have one responsibility as voters and it's one day to go vote uh, and participate in this, this um, self-government. Perhaps we do need to consider um, establishing a state holiday on the day that we expect people to show up at the ballot box so that we're looking forward to it. You can party all day and, and go get your, get your group together and go, go, uh, go vote. It's almost right. Like, it's, almost, I mean, it's almost like bribery. Oh, we'll bribe you to vote. Just go out and vote, please. We'll give you the day off. You don't have to do anything. Just, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's great. But I mean, again, you have to shut the whole world down because not, I mean, obviously you got to get your coffee on your day off and you got to go to the gym on your day off and you got to, so, I mean, not everybody's going to get that. And again, it's not like it takes a whole day. I mean, this is a 10, 15, 20 minute deal. Maybe, you know, if it's busy, it might be 20 minutes at the polls. Why? And, and again, going back to the voter turnout, the, the, let me go back to the, the 6.88% turnout in Sterling. Now, I mean, great. The candidate that I think most of the listeners of this program would be happy about one <laughs> Bill Elam won reelection, but 6.88% overall in the entire borough, an 8.85% turnout in the Kenai Peninsula borough. I mean, do, have people just, is, is this a consequence of the polarization and the whole thing? I mean, is this part of that whole thing where people just threw their hands up in the air and said, I'm done with it. I'm not dealing with it anymore. Well, I, we're getting into kind of a philosophical point, uh, discussion here, but elections, candidates win because they are organized and because they have a team and they get their message out. They communicate. Well, we've spent my entire, my entire adult life um, has been spent listening to criticism of um, political parties and in 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 specifically our two party system. And so we are witnessing the death of our political parties. We, we are non-existent as a political force other than raising money in the state of Alaska, um, my political party. It's not super influential. It's a non-factor, but you know what is being influential where the money is flowing both inside the state and outside the state is our nonprofits, the so-called dark money that's flowing. Those are people who are organized. They have a mission. They're moving the country more to the left into um, pursuing socialist agendas. And they are winning at the ballot box locally and nationally because they are organized so that is by definition a political party they are organ they're they are just people getting together to achieve a, a goal that's what political parties are they're people getting together for politics for winning elections right so if we're gonna poo-poo the two-party system let's recognize what it's being replaced with it's being replaced with nonprofits who don't have to register as political parties, but are still achieving the same results. They're still influencing and getting people out to the ballot box to win. So we're not we're not turning our country into a um, non-political party country by poo-pooing the two political parties. We're turning it into a sh kind of a sh shadow political party where you don't actually know. It's not straightforward that these organizations are actually achieving what they're what they're trying to achieve because they're not, you know, so-called political parties. They're well, we're a nonprofit for special education interest. purposes, right? right. Special. Well, right? It, and and again, it's kind of misleading because it's a, 
and I'm sorry, I keep forgetting the name of the organization. It's like Alaska's First or Protect Alaska or whatever it is. But when you look at the organization that has this name of putting Alaska first or protecting Alaska or whatever it is, it's, you know, it's labor, it's outside labor unions, Washington, D.C. labor unions. It's the NEA, National NEA out of Washington, D.C. It's all this outside money that's coming in that is flowing in many of these races. And you're right. The thing is, they are very organized. I mean, talking about getting down into a philosophical debate, this is something that I've said for years is that, you know, uh, here's the problem. You have progressives on one side and conservatives on the other. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, this, this dichotomy where the progressives are all very much of a communal mindset. It takes a village, kumbaya, we're all together in this. And on the conservative side, we're all rugged individualists. And we don't, it's like, we don't play well with others. We can't come together because everybody's trying to, you know, be a leader and do all these things. And so we don't come together. We kind of are, are siloed and squabbling amongst ourselves. And the other side has gotten very good at holding hands and singing, I'd like to give the world a Coke. And they pull together. And so it's a philosophical divide as well as this divide amongst uh, parties or pri- you know dark money or everything else that we've got to get better at working together and it, it and and not you know not falling into the pitfall or the trap of slinging the arrows and everything else highlight what we're doing come together work and and it, I think this is a consequence of not doing that yeah. Ben Franklin's quoted as as saying after the the Constitution was um, ratified, they asked, um, "What do we have?" And he says, "We've got a republic if we can keep it." If I've got my quote right, right. Well, he's he's spot on. He's right. Right. Yes, we have a republic, but are we going to keep it? Keep it means like there's action that has to take, and there's effort. And our our founding fathers you know, signed the Declaration of Independence that said we pledge our, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to the end, right? To the, the what we're trying to achieve, that's what we're willing to give up. Yeah. Well, and I, I question today, what is it that we're giving up in order to, to heed Ben Franklin's words, which are, we've got this self-government if we can keep it. Right. And it takes effort to keep it. Yeah. Well, and and surprisingly, if you go back and look at the history of the founders and the signers, um, you'll see that those guys really meant it because by the time it was all done, it was 52, 54 signers of the declaration and 50 of them had died. I mean, literally been killed or been bankrupted or been put in prison. By the time that the whole thing was over, 50 of them were done pretty much at that point. So they really stood for it and we, you know, we, we got it. We, we, we got out of it and this is what we got from it, but can we keep it? Can we fight? Are we willing, like you said, to sacrifice? And maybe it's a little time. I mean, do we need an, you know, I've heard this, this discussion before we need it. Maybe we should just have a holiday and, uh, and have everybody off on election day as a holiday. I mean, again, it takes 10 or 15 minutes. If we give them a whole day off, is that going to, you know, incentivize them to go do it anymore? If you can't be bothered to take 15 minutes out for something that affects you so directly. I mean, the national stuff is great. I mean, McCarthy in, out, who, I mean, whatever's going on, we can't affect that. But what happens in your school districts, what happens in your boroughs? I mean, that's like directly, you'll feel that every month if your property taxes go up, right? You'll feel that every month if your kid is not getting what they need in school or they're not being taught the basics of reading, writing. Those are the things that affect you directly. And if you can't be motivated to get up off your ass and go down there and vote because 
for whatever reason, is having a free day going to give you anything more? I I just I just don't even know at this point. I guess I'd like I I would like to encourage people. I mean, I would I would think that my neighbors and and um, Alaskans in general would um, associate themselves with uh, the concept of love of country and love of state. We we love all of the things that this um, free country has has uh, afforded us the opportunity to have. Right. The opposite of love isn't hate it's apathy so if we're if we're just going to take advantage of the good things and not participate in the hard things um you know talking and communicating and sharing your your opinion and participating at the ballot box and whatever it is to maintain the the government system the the freedom that we have then we're we're apathetic and we're not going to, we're not going to survive long-term with that mindset. So I, does I, does a holiday solve the problem? No, it doesn't. Not, not in the least. Right. But it gives us another tool in the, in the tool bag to communicate the importance of showing up at the ballot box. We, we know that it's important to, um, to (laughs) recognize our veterans sounds self-serving, but, um, recognize our veterans and those who've died to protect this country. Right? right. We recognize that because we've established a day on the calendar that says we're going to communicate to each other that this is important that we remember. We don't have that date for our, for our, our general elections and our local elections and everything that happens at the local level impacts higher levels, right? Yeah. Demand, demand at the local level for federal services filters through to your your elected representatives at the state and federal level and you end up with higher taxes nationally right your school district um school boards make decisions that require the state to increase funding of education right that those are local decisions that have impacts at higher levels so um just focusing on those those things that are on the news media or on social media that aren't the local issues. They're the things that are, that sell ad advertising time on, on platforms. Yeah. Those, those are things that you can't, you can't really impact. No, they, they're a waste of your time. I will say that I agree with you. And this is again, what I've, uh, what I've said in the past is that we should, we need to consolidate all these days down into a single day. I, I think that makes sense. Now, somebody said, the government and the unions would never allow that to happen. Uh, David says the government and unions would not allow elections to be held in November. They've strate- they've strategized this extremely well and will not concede it. I mean, I actually made that comment the other day that, you know, are they breaking this down because they know that a lower voter turnout gives them more control because they have more organized, uh, you know, they have more organized turnout. They have more special interests and things like that. Maybe. But if we, you know, if we wanted to see a change and we wanted to see a higher voter turnout for whatever side, having it all on one single day every year, like you said, you know when Memorial Day is, you know when Labor Day is, you know when Christmas is, you know when these days are. If you just knew that on the first Tuesday in November every year, that's Election Day, well, okay, we got it. it. You know, maybe it would make it easier. I don't know. Because, uh, I mean, I don't know how many people have said, I didn't even know we were voting. Okay. Well, if it's all on one day, that might be the solution we're looking for. Um, yeah. I mean, is maybe the question that, that I should ask is, 
do we celebrate elections like we celebrate Memorial Day or Veterans Day or some other holiday? Do we celebrate it? Yeah, well, that's true. Is it is it a celebration? Uh, and I think it should be. I mean, just think of all those pictures I said it the other day. Think of all those pictures in Iraq and Afghanistan of people voting for basically the first time in free elections, you know, with the purple thumbs and the purple fingers and everything else. That was a celebration for them. Did it work out? Maybe, maybe not. But you could at least see it in their faces on those pictures that they were excited to be able to have a chance to, you know, take their own destiny into their hands. So, all right, Ben Carpenter is our guest. Uh, we're uh, we're running up against it here. We're going to be back in just a second. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more here in just a moment. Mike Shower in hour two. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. All right, we're in the break right now. I mean, it's disappointing, Ben. I mean, it really is. And because, I mean, I feel the frustration as much as anybody, you know? Uh, Maybe sometimes more so because it's something that I deal with on a daily basis. It's not something I see in passing. Uh, and, and again, have been frustrated by to watch these things go on and watch people just, you know, and then the worst part is these people complain later on. And I, I, I started making the joke of, you know, when you call into the show, I'm going to be, you know, who are you, where are you calling from? And did you vote before they get, before they can say their piece on the radio? If they didn't vote, I just hang up on them because if you're not getting out there and participating, you got, you know, there's nothing more to say at that point. Yeah, it's in voting gets you in the stadium. If I'm going to use a uh, sports metaphor, right? It gets you in the stadium. That's, that's all that, that voting does. It's the bare minimum of, of what's necessary to sustain our, our um, self-government is voting. It gets you in the stadium. The game is then won. it's played in the arena with other, other things that, you know, the, the, politics that happens within um the legislature or the local municipal assembly or something like that right those ordinances that get passed and the debates that happen that's what's happening inside the arena the communication that has to happen to to build support amongst those elected leaders for a particular given issue right those those things that's what's happening in the arena the voting just gets you to to the stadium so that you can have those conversations and and we're we're failing to recognize that 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 this whole system that we have right. doesn't work when you have just a small percentage of people participating. Six well, percent of people participating is just yeah, it's no. not sustainable in the long term. Well, and part of it is too. I mean, um, you know, Greg has said a couple things here. Uh, Kenai Peninsula mayor ran unopposed. Why is that? And then he said earlier that he on his ballot. Uh, Greg said, my ballot was totally unopposed, basically four confirmation votes. I mean, part of it is people are just not participating even in that way. Um, you know, they're not, they're not stepping up to say, um, uh, you know, here I am, choose me. I have different ideas or I have a better way, or they're not, you know, they're just not going through that. Uh, if you look specifically at the Kenai ballot, uh, you know, mayor was unopposed, Assembly District 2 was unopposed. Um, You know, Board of Education, one of them was unopposed. 
Um, and then all the different uh, service areas, joint op boards, all this other kind of stuff. You know, I mean, great. I appreciate everybody's service on these things, but you've got basically an entire thing where everything was, you know, there's there's probably a third of all the positions in the Kenai Peninsula borough where they were just un- unopposed. I mean, we, we've got to have, uh, you know, the, the best ideas come out of a, of, a, of a difference of ideas, right? That's when you really get down to the best is when you share maybe ideas that are don't agree with each other or whatever, but you can find some of the best ideas when you do that. If it's just a rubber stamp, it, I mean, I don't know if it's the apathy. I don't know if it's the frustration. I don't know if it's just people not caring at all, which I guess is apathy. But, I mean, it, it's frustrating to see. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we're just, we have to recognize that we've got a culture problem, right? It's part of the cultural problem. And I'm, I'm saying this not in a um, general sense, but um, specifically if you're looking at it from a, a company perspective or a business perspective, and part of the challenge of your business model is that your culture within your um, workforce is part of the problem that you're experiencing um, decline in your company and your your profits, right? So you've got an organizational culture problem that you have to address. Well, there are things that are written. (laughs) There are smart people that have overcome cultural problems within organizations. And there's actions that can be taken to address cultural problems. Well, if we don't recognize that part of the problem that we have within our our greater society here, within self-government, is a cultural problem, and we don't start addressing the cultural problem with targeted steps, right? With, with things that can be done. And this is why I think that celebrating elections and celebrating those people who um, choose to raise their hand, right? So the, the first thing that people are going to say is like, why would I want to, why would I want to put my name on the ballot and, and know that the, the darts and the arrows are coming immediately, right? It's not to say that that shouldn't happen because those are, those are, it's necessary, but those people are putting forward their lives and opening their, you know, opening themselves up to um, immense scrutiny. And, and there has to be some sort of encouragement and uh, benefit to doing that. If people are going to choose to do that, a smaller, a smaller minority of people are going to do it and take the arrows because they're, because that's, they just are wired that way. Right. So culturally we've got to, we've got to steer the ship to a point where we're, we're, we're deliberately celebrating people who choose to do the hard thing. Um, ben Carpenter is our guest. I'd much rather talk about food security. I'll be honest with you at this point. I'd just <laughs> much rather talk about that. Hey, you're the host. You, you, do, you do what you do. I know. It's it's Here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. <laughs> the Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry, not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Ben Carpenter is our guest. We're talking about the consequences of local elections. We're doing a little bit of a postmortem on some of the elections uh, around the state. Uh, ben, I've noticed a, uh, and this might be a symptom of some of the things that you just talked about with us, but we see this across the, we, we see this kind of across the state. You know, we had uh, 
red districts, right? Um, uh, Fairbanks used to be a red district. Now it's kind of more purple. But historically, it was red. You know, the Matsu was red. The Kenai was red. And yet all it seemed like many of the local bodies or all of the local bodies slowly but surely turned purple and then blue. I mean, you have red districts with blue local political boards, right? Uh, assemblies, city councils, et cetera. I mean, in your mind, why do you think that happens? Is it the apathy? Is it people just not paying attention? Is it going back to that idea that they are, they being the more progressive side of the philosophical scale, are more organized? What What do you think is, is the reason why we keep seeing that happen, where you have districts that are hugely red, always vote, you know, kind of this conservative base, except for in their local, local elections? What What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I'm not sure, Michael, but I, I would say it's probably why your backyard ends up with weeds over time. You, you, you establish the home, you build a home, you, you manicure the yard, you take the hard thing, um, um, take the hard actions, the work, the effort into establishing your house and uh, home, just like you want it. And then life happens and you, and things get in the way and of maintenance and, you end up with weeds and, you know, a couple of years later, <laughs> the, the dandelions are taken over the backyard because you just haven't done um, the necessary maintenance steps to prevent the dandelions from, from getting into the yard. So I, I, I just, we, we've, we've bought into this lie that says we're polite society doesn't talk about religion and politics. Right. Don't, don't bring that up in, in, um, in public spheres because it, alienates people and and it causes people to not like each other and we're going to argue and all of that well that's what's missing in our society is being able to talk about politics and talk about the important things that do draw lines of distinction and do so in a meaningful way that doesn't turn people off right it's not the fact that we only have two parties and they're they're too big to to control i mean um, Adam Bertoldo, whether he pulls the election out here at the uh, local assembly, is is proof of that. He's he's super close to winning, right? I was a dark horse candidate the first time I ran. I I didn't have political support from the the either the two main parties, and yet I I was I was able to to win. Adam's really close on his first time of of picking up a, a seat here that that nobody knew who Adam was two years ago, right? I mean it's. It's a, it, it just takes effort and it takes um, people with, with character and desire to, to communicate their message to get involved. And, and I don't buy the excuse that, that, that things are too big out there and we just can't compete. I don't, I don't buy it. I, my personal life experience um, tells me that that's not the case. And, and I know from being on the inside that one of the two parties in this state is not as big and, and uh, as, um, effective and controlling things as you think it is. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's, you know, coming away from local, most local elections are, you know, considered nonpartisan and everything else. I mean, I've had enough things to say about the the state of party uh, of party politics in this state that they, you know, that they're. They, they, they shoulder a big portion of this blame um, in a lot of the things that we're doing for, like, state elections and stuff. But these local elections are mostly nonpartisan. And, and I just – I think it comes back to, again, 
Um, it's apathy. Even this, John says uh, from Fairbanks, he goes, most of the folks I talked to here in the interior had no idea it was voting day. Unless you li- unless you listen to Dukes, many have no idea. Okay, that, but isn't that a responsibility as a citizen? I mean, yeah, you didn't listen to me. Fine. I'm not saying that everybody has to listen to me. Uh, but shouldn't you educate yourself to know when your election day is, when things are going on locally? I mean, you see the signs go up, right? The second you see all the big billboard signs go up on the side of the road with things, you, that should clue you in that it's probably election season. If you you know weren't living under a rock and you turned on a radio or were on the Internet or you were watching TV, you probably seen an ad. Don't you know? I mean, shouldn't there be some personal responsibility in this? And I understand. I'm not trying to say make it mandatory to vote. I'm just saying shouldn't people take a little more pride and, like you said, celebrate it? Like any other, you know, Memorial, Veterans Day, Fourth of July, shouldn't that be a, a duty of somebody who's a citizen in their community? You know, there's a an, an, um, a relationship that I was just thinking about. How are how are the next generation learning that voting is important if parents aren't teaching the kids to pay attention to voting? So. I've, I've taken it upon myself as my kids have gotten older to make sure that they come into the ballot box and, and understand what we're doing with the voting. If we're not passing that on to our next generation, to, the, to our children, then the expectation is not there as they have grown up that voting is important. And if as parents, as adults, we don't even know when we're supposed to go and vote, then there's absolutely no way that we can be teaching our kids that that is important. Because we don't even we're not even paying attention and, and knowing, and I, I know that I know that that can probably come across as really critical. The truth hurts. I mean, seven percent turnout, six percent turnout is proof that people are ignoring their their they have an a apathy to participating in this in this voting process, and I wonder does that mean that that apathy carries forward to the next generation? I, I think that well, we that's... need to stop and and reflect. Yeah, what are we I, doing? I think that's a valid concern. I think that is a very valid concern when you look to see how many people have just become apathetic, thrown their hands up in the air, and then they're passing that attitude on to the you know to their children and what will what will it look like in 20 years when those kids are ready to vote and then they start to have children i mean does it just become where it's a very very small percentage basically rule through the ballot box because they're the only ones that are organized and they have a special interest in what's going on i mean that that's a that's a scary idea the fact that you know, six, five, six, eight, ten, fifteen, eighteen percent of the of the of the populace is basically controlling everything because everybody else is like, man, not my problem, man. That's that's a huge problem. Yeah, I think that that in our culture, I think that um, it is possible that people look at the ballot box as a, a way to get something from government. That's their they they realize if I go to the ballot box and I participate and I get the right person in there then I get something from government. And that's kind of the 180 degree different philosophy from conservatives of the people that, that are in my sphere, which is I don't, I don't necessarily want something from government. I, 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 I want my government systems and my, my um, schools and my roads and that type of thing, but I'm not looking for personally something from government. Right. Whereas a, a socialist mindset is, hey, government needs to take care of me. I need, I need preschool. I don't want to have to pay for daycare anymore. So I want preschool. I want somebody to 
help fund my my uh, my burden here so I can go to work. That's right? that's the I, that's the old Alexander Fraser Tytler quote of you know you can only have a republic or a democracy as long as people can't figure out that they can vote themselves treasure from the public treasury, and that's where we're at. We're figuring out, like you said, all these special interests are. I can get my contract filled. I can do this. I can do that. I can get welfare. I can you know whatever it is. It is that kind of stuff, and it's 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 insane. All starts at the ballot box, brother. Yeah. Uh, ben Carpenter, our guest. Uh, thank you, my friend, for coming on board and joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. This, again, consequences. There are consequences. Mike Shower up next. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Back with more after this. You know, the, again, the ones that I feel bad for are the two remaining in the interior, especially watching that slate get flipped, is the two remaining conservative members of the Fairbanks Assembly, because now they got two against seven. Oh, they're going to get steamrolled. The uh, I guess Melissa Burnett's probably the only conservative left on the school board up there as well. Uh, so, I mean, those people, this is you, the pain train is coming. I've been there. I, I was the only conservative. One of, I guess one of the only two conservatives on the whole assembly. I watched what happened. The pain train is coming. And that, again, just demoralizes people who are trying to fight and make a difference and run. <laughs> it's uh, it, like I said, it was one of the reasons when I was doing my pro con list of whether I should leave the interior. That was actually on my list. Do I want to continue to fight this fight? And can I, you know, can I make a difference when I'm one of nine who basically want to turn everything over to government. It's a frustrating thing. And it will it will have consequences in the long run for the people who end up living in your community. I guess I would just push back just a little bit and say that the 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 results can can turn us away and say, oh man, this is so difficult. Why, 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 why? Or it can stiffen our spine and say, hey, we can't let this happen again. Right? When when the enemy starts shooting back, you got two options. You can keep your head down and, and try to run away, or you can you can start right. shooting back, take a stand, and, and with fire and maneuver overcome. Yeah, and I I just uh, <laughs> I'm not the kind that's going to take my head tuck no. my head between my legs and, and find cover and run away. That's that's not how this country was formed, and it's not how it's going to be maintained. So well, we've got to take take our lickings like this, and then say, what are we going to do? To prevent this from happening again. Yeah. Well, don't grow weary in well-doing. That's my, you know, it's my catchphrase around here is just because it's painful doesn't mean you stop doing what you're doing. But boy, it does get demoralizing. It does get tough. Uh, but again, I guess bootstrap up and, and go on. I think Tyler, I think Tyler hits the nail on the head here. Everyone worries about national elections instead of ones that directly affect them. It's insane. And, and that's what I've been saying for the last five, six years. That's why I don't really focus on national stuff, because can you affect it? Does it matter to you who, if McCarthy is in or out or who's leading the whatever, or can, can we make a difference there? No. Does it really affect us? Yes, in a way, but more abstractly, things that are going on in your backyard. Again, if your property taxes go up, you'll feel that every month. If something changes in your kid, I mean, you'll feel that every day if something changes in your kid's school and they're not being taught the basics of reading and writing and arithmetic. Instead, they're being, you know, indoctrinated with some kind of philosophy on gender, whatever, or critical race or whatever the things that everybody's all upset about are. I mean, those are all problems that affect you every day. This is the time to jump into this and make something happen. 
Alaskans are just now recognizing that their electric bills are going to go up because yeah. of the policies of the people who we've put in charge of our local um, power organizations. Right. I mean, yeah, HEA, MEA, GVEA boards, all those boards, those votes really matter. Most people are like, oh, GVEA board, who cares? Y yeah, those yeah. are the ones that are making you're, the decisions. You're, you're going to care when your, your price of electricity at your house doubles. Yeah. Now you're going to care. Yeah. Uh, local elections have consequences, bigger consequences than the national stuff, and we need to start paying attention to that. And I, you know, uh, again, I wish I had a magic wand and an answer as to how we make that happen other than continuing to talk to people about this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that the one solution you came up with is a solution. Move all elections to a single day. That that would that would eliminate, I think, 90 percent of the confusion or at least the excuses of I didn't know that it was Election Day, uh, which in a lot of cases, I think, is basically a cop out and an excuse to to just because you weren't paying attention and you didn't care. You didn't care enough to make a difference about it. Um, all right. Well, Ben, <clears throat> thank you, my friend. It's uh, it's good to it's good to see you. Thank you for coming on board. I appreciate your thoughts on this. And oof, not too long. You're going to be down in Juneau again fighting that fight. So gird up, my friend, gird up those loins and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you soon. Well, we'll do. It is always a pleasure to speak with you, Michael, and, and your uh, listeners. So, we should talk um, about I'll... food security. And maybe we'll do that here in the next few weeks. We'll we'll cage you aside here and talk a little bit about that because I think that's important as well. And uh, let's, I let's wanna, do it. Yeah, I want to pick your brain on that because I think there's a lot of ideas out there and I want to hear what's uh, what's going on. So thank you, Ben. Appreciate you coming on board. Have a good day. All right. Uh, ben Carpenter, our guest here uh, on the Michael Duke Show. Uh, we're a couple minutes out. I see Mike Shower is with us here. Let's see if he, uh, um, he's he got uh, no video. He's got a low He's got a low bandwidth connection. Let's see if the audio is any good. He's got himself muted. Can you hear me, brother? Nope. I'm unmuted now. You're unmuted now. Okay, good. Uh, so audio, no video today. Yeah, I've got a, a really bad video connect or you know just internet service speed mm -hmm. right now where i'm at so unfortunately it's going to be audio only i think video's spotty hey you know that that works for me that's fine i can make it happen the video the audio sounds better than the uh telephone so we'll just uh we'll just we'll just make that happen it'll be fine so we'll okay. just stay here um <laughs> have you been following what happened with all the elections or have you been watching this uh as you go through here Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, just, yeah, as, just as painful as you expected, right? I mean, or is this is this worse than is this worse than you expect? I mean, were you surprised? I guess is what I should say. No, not really. You and Ben hit the two. You know, one of the things which is I've been promoting this just like you guys were talking earlier, which is you have to have I think elections on one day. This, this special elections and these, you know, April and October, all these off ones, it's very helpful for special interest groups to get their people out. And the average person doesn't know, too busy working, it's hard, you know, it's, it's more difficult to tell people about it, whether they use it as an excuse or not. And Mike, there's one more we'll talk about when we have more time here over the program, but, you know, I've come down to the realization, no bucks, no buck Rogers. The left uh, <laughs> generally has a lot of deep pockets. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we, we know it. Hundred, hundred, hundred thousand bucks on a school board and assembly race in Fairbanks. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. We got to go. Uh, the Michael Luke Show.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is hour two of this Wednesday edition, post-election day, election post-mortem. And really, it is a, it's like an autopsy. It was a slaughter uh, up in the interior. For those of you just joining us, uh, in the interior, the full slate of conservative candidates were pretty much at the borough level, were pretty much just nuked from orbit. All three conservative assembly candidates defeated. Uh, all three conservative uh, school board candidates defeated. Uh, the only shiny spot in that was that the city of Fairbanks re- retains its centrist position by retaining uh, Jim Ringstadt and uh, um, and uh, uh, Lonnie Mowry. Uh, you know, th- that was it. That was the bright spot in the interior. Very tough. Down on the peninsula, kind of a mixed bag as well. Um, it's, you know, it's frustrating to see. It's 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 uh, it's very frustrating. Uh, and this is just a reminder when I saw these results uh, and I did not stay up late last night. Somebody sent me a text said, I know you're watching this. It's horrible. And that was like a 1030. I'm asleep. OK, at 1030 at night. I was not staying up to watch this. I knew I'd have the results this morning at 430 when I got up. And sure enough, there were the results. And it was just, I mean, just shocking. But it reminded me that there are consequences. And we're going to see some of those consequences here in the near future, especially in an assembly that is in Fairbanks that has just been chafing at the bit to do all these different kinds of things, including, you know, infringe on property rights and and all this. other. It <clears throat> buckle up, buttercup. It's going to be an interesting ride over the next three years. Um, I can guarantee it. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see what happens here. Joining us on the program today to discuss this and well, anything else that we feel like talking about is, uh, state Senator Mike Schauer. Uh, he joins us right now, uh, to kind of give us uh, his thoughts on what's going on with elections and everything else. So let's, uh, let's crack that open and get started. Good morning, Mr. Shower, sir. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Michael Dukes. I am fine. And are you doing good as well? <laughs> I mean, I'm as good as I could. <laughs> I'm as good as I could be, man. I woke up thinking, I wonder how it went last night. And I opened up my phone with, to the 53 messages or whatever that was on there. And I was like, okay, uh, ow. <laughs> That's, you know, that, ow. It, it, it's painful to see. Uh, especially in a community that I thought was heading back in the right direction with kind of a more balanced approach to the assembly. I mean, I would have even been, because right now it was a 5-4 conservative progressive balance on the assembly. 
if if you know even if they'd lost one or you know, but I mean just this trouncing of every one of them, even somebody with enough of a track record like Tammy Wilson to get defeated, plus all the school boards. Uh, that's a tough thing in the interior. I guess I should start off my questioning with you with the same thing that I asked Ben. You know, we look at these areas, and you're from the Matsu, right? I mean, you spent years there, and, and you know, we have these districts in the state which ostensibly are more conservative districts, right? They're red. They vote red in the nationals. They do all this kind of stuff. But when you look down and you dr- drill down with a microscope into them, you say you've got these red districts, but all of their local governance boards, the assemblies, the city councils, things like that, a lot of them are blue. If not purple, they're outright blue. And and I wonder, how does that happen? I mean, in your mind, you look at that. What is that? You know, what what is, what do you think about that? What do you think causes that? So let's do the weapons school debrief, Mike. You put it on the board, right? You write it up on the whiteboard. I wish we had time to do that. We could sit down someday, maybe in the studio, and go point by point. We used to call them PTPs, points to ponder. You know, why did this person die? Why did we accomplish the mission or not? Who got shot down? Did they get reach the target, right? And all of the different little things you start talking through, looking at the tapes and figuring out who did what, and did somebody make a mistake somewhere? Did somebody do something good, right? So let's let's talk about it. So what happened? But it's not just this last night's election, right? It's more indicative of, you know, maybe the the greater things that we are facing. And you've got some issues that you always have to think about each one, right? So number one, you know, if you're going to have somebody run for election, it's got to be a good person, right? That person has to be somebody that sells well, that goes out and does the work. Um, Their boots on the ground. They communicate well. They're likable, right? All You know, they're going to work for it, all that stuff. So those are, that's question number one. You always have to ask, did you have a good candidate? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Right. Not everybody um, is there are some what we would you and I would call perpetual candidates out there. Right. I mean, they've been running again and again and again. And they're just not going to get elected. They never get past a certain amount. So, you know, I was talking to another um, radio host not too long ago and he was having a conversation. He's like, Mike said, yours. he's like the two stories of last year's election. He's like the the one that was a loss was Tuckerman's. He's like the one that was a win was yours. I said that should have been a story, you know, but nobody talked about it. Right. You went from like seven and a half points down to eight points up. And that's the only one in the entire state. But we did work our tail off, right? We we were really serious about fundraising and getting help from people with boots on the ground. Mike, we worked every day. I didn't want to tell you how much we did as far as, you know, just the amount. My point is the candidates matter, right? So that's number one. You have to look at each of the candidates. I don't know them all. They might have been really good. You made an excellent point about Tammy Wilson. She's a known name. You would think that she would. I mean, it wasn't like it was like a thousand to ten thousand. I looked at a lot of them. It was like sixty five hundred to seventy two hundred. I mean, there was a split, still lost, but you know that some of the races were a little closer. But if a, a good communicative candidate like Tammy Wilson can't, well, that's an issue, right? And there's two more things I think that are important besides a candidate and how well they work, how hard they work, and these are big things here. And the first one is, you and Ben talked about it. If we keep having these off cycle elections. That are not lined up with the general election, especially state and national, we're going to continue to lose on the conservative side because conservatives don't get out and vote in numbers unless there's a big election that draws them out. But the special interest, you know, the National Education Association of School Board, they're going to get their people up by sending stuff out unions, IBW, AFL CIO, that tend to go left of spectrum. They're going to get their people out to vote. They're going to tell them that they're going to spend their money, your union dues are going to go for flyers and meetings, et cetera, et cetera, to get out the vote. And those votes are generally going to go to the candidates on the left side of the spectrum. That's just history. That's not a partisan thing. That's just how it plays out. 
So we're going to keep losing. And you look at the maps that we finally lined our elections up. It's going to be hard for those special interests to overcome all of the conservatives that will come out and vote in those bigger elections. And the third and final point I'm making, you Ben didn't talk about this much. That's where I started in the break here from with you. No bucks, no Buck Rogers. The left has very deep pockets and they're really good at spending money on those candidates and drawing that funds. Look at Matt Clayman between redistricting that made that district really close for him and Costello to run against each other. I think he got something like $200,000 from unions and, and other entities for that little state Senate district. Holy cow, Mike, I haven't spent $200,000 in all of my running total um, on a race. And so when you look at these off cycle elections, and you get massive amounts of money that can be poured in by these groups to win these seats back to execute their policies. That's a hard road to get to get past. I mean, it's a big hurdle. Right. So if we don't learn how to fundraise um, ourselves as conservatives uh, and get out there so we can get out the boat and spread the message and get people to the polls, you're not going to win that either, Mike. So there's some when we look at that whiteboard and we debrief this, it's more than one thing. But there are multiple things that we're not doing well. Um, and until we learn how to do that, and probably a few other things we could add to the board, I'm sure, and I'm sure there'd be some comments from the some of your listeners. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna win elections like that. I'm not making an excuse for it. It is what it is, but we're not doing a good job on on a number of these issues. Right. But you still the election one is a big deal. The day having it lined up that's a big deal. Special interest have the advantage for an off cycle election. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is, it is confusing because again, you got, you know, on the, in the interior and on the peninsula, you've got local elections in October, but that also means that you have the city of Palmer and the city of Wasilla happening on the same day. But then the Matsu borough itself is on, is in November. And then, you right. know, uh, Anchorage is in April. And I mean, this whole split is just, uh, at some point, I think this was all intentional because, again, the further you break down these elections and make these elections smaller and smaller, the special interests have a bigger sway in each one of those elections. If they're off cycle, they don't have that sway um, because I think that the you're, you and Ben were discussing this, and I know your listeners generally are going to agree that we want more local control. You have more influence as a citizen, the lower that you know, the lower down the totem pole you go, the more influence you have with those officials. So we want that involvement. We want local control of as much as we can get right away from D.C. to state down to local. Like you said, the, the closer they get to home, the more impact it tends to have on you, regardless of the national level. Um, but at the same time, if you have so many different elections, you're going to have special interest, whatever that special interest may be. I'm defining that as everybody. That's not necessarily just left or special interest on the right, but special interest will be able to basically win the day in a lot of cases. If you put them all together, like the Matsu is now done for the general election, for the borough, et cetera, up, up the chain. Well, now you get all the citizens out to vote and you get a more, I think, representative government because you ask the question. It is a salient question. Why <laughs> in an area that should be conservative, why does a liberal or progressive or leftist candidate win? Well, they win because they get their little constituent constituency out to vote in mass in an off cycle election. If that same progressive or leftist was put up against a conservative candidate in a general election when they were coming out to vote for Trump or whatever it may be up the stream, the chances are they're going to lose that election. But they know that, Michael, which is right. why they're going to hold on to desperately these off cycle elections, just like Juno's not going to let the legislative session ever out of Juno. Right. Because they will lose a lot of things important to them like funding and access, et cetera. If it stays in, if it goes somewhere else. 
So they're going to fight really hard for the things that they know helps them win. Just like knowing you're over the target, Mike, when they start screaming and screeching about something, you're getting really close to a target that matters. When they're letting you do whatever you want and you're not getting hit or attacked, you're probably not being very effective at something the other side cares about. That applies across the board. Well, and I think you're right on about the whole buck thing, uh, because, again, we've looked at the rise of things like these packs and the independent expenditures and non-candidate expenditures that are going on. Um, when they're pouring twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars from outside, from Washington D.C. and other areas in the lower forty-eight, when they're pouring that kind of money into a small local election in, for example, Fairbanks, Alaska, you're like, what? Why? What's going on? They, they've, they've figured it out. Alaska is a cheap date, small, you know, large, large area, small population, a small amount of money can influence it tremendously. You can't tell me that the 20 or $30,000 that were pumped in by independent expenditures and PACs from outside into these local school board races and borough assembly races didn't make a difference in the long run. Yeah. When you look at those numbers too, you'll see, go look at the small fine print and you will see in there often, it's like, you know, Washington, DC, some big group, lower 48, look up the packs where the money comes from. If you follow the money trail, like it's so often said, right? Follow the money. You'll find that funnel, that, that money funnel is coming from somewhere outside influence. And remember this, Mike, it's not just about taking over, you know, Alaska politics or inserting progressive candidates into the Alaska political scene. A lot of it, like SB 91 for that soft on crime bill we had for rank choice voting and other things that are happening, they're using us as the cheap date because if they can get it up here, then what they're going to do is they're going to go across the country trying to sell how great Alaska is doing. Oh, Alaskans love this. Potola is going across the country to other states doing it right now. Oh, rank choice voting is wonderful. Alaskans love it. Well, they use that. If they can't get it in Alaska, one, it's going to cost them a lot more money to do it in a bigger state somewhere else, right? Yep. And two, if we override that in Alaska or we repeal it, it's going to kill their narrative and it's going to hurt it. Yeah. So they're going to do what it takes at this point to hold on to it, and that's going to equal spending money. But Mike, money is just a tool for them. They right. don't care about money. Yeah. It's just that it's a very useful thing, which is why the, the right side of the spectrum, we better get our act together and yeah. figure out how to start dumping money. You, should, you better step up yeah. or shut up. Yeah. It is my point to people. If you're going to complain about it, I want to know what you're doing. Are you writing a check for it? Are you walking with candidates and making phone calls? Because if you're not, then stop complaining. We're not going to win by complaining on the radio. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's like Alaska is the perfect test kitchen to test out all these new dishes and then show them off to the world, uh, you know, and and that's exactly it. We're the Petri dish. We're the political Petri dish of the U.S. right now. They've discovered it with the ranked choice and pushing everything else. And now they're pouring all these monies into these little local elections. And pretty soon, like you said, they'll be like, oh, look, Alaska's a utopia. We should all do what they're doing. Uh, meanwhile, you'll be driving people out of the state and everything. It's 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 again Local elections have consequences. I don't know how to say it any any harder than that. All right. We're going to continue. Mike Shower is our guest. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will continue with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Don't forget, you can always join us if you'd like in the chat room. Uh, we got 70, 80 people in there hanging out with us this morning. Come on in and have your say. Whether you agree or disagree, we'd love to hear what you have to, what your thoughts are. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show slash live. Uh, come on out and join us. Back with more The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, Mike Schauer is our guest as we continue on here on this beautiful hump day, 24 degrees at my house right now. (laughs) I think winter, yeah, I think winter is finally, I think winter is finally here. I went outside, the dog went out and said, uh, no, came back right back in. I'm like, okay, all right, fine. I understand. Um, Winter's finally getting here. Uh, Still nice in the day. Maybe we won't see snow till Halloween. I don't know, but. It's coming <clears throat> on top of everything else. I got to deal with that. But this, yeah, I, I got to, my heart just dropped this morning as I'm looking at these messages and I'm, you know, as I wake up and I'm scrolling through my text messages from overnight and I'm just like, wow, this is just so painful to see. And, and I, I just know, I think a lot of it has to do with everything we've talked about money, the, the, the election day being kind of, you know, all staggered and everything else, but also, I think Ben's right. I think there's a tremendous amount of apathy. And I I do worry, like he does, as to what are these, you know, what are the people who become apathetic or become just kind of immune? What what are their what are their children doing? What are their, you know, what are they teaching their children? What what kind of takeaway is there gonna be? What's gonna happen in 20 years if this is the direction we're going? Well, Michael, I want to try to do some positive because we tend to spiral down the toilet bowl pretty quick here. I think as conservatives, when you lose and we get upset and the apathy probably does kick in, I don't think you're wrong for a lot of people, especially those. And and I know that applies a lot of your listeners that are active because they are paying attention and listening, which shows by default that they're interested enough to take their, their personal time to listen and to comment and, and get involved. And I know the names of many of them and they are involved and have been. And when you continually fight the battle, right, you get battle fatigue. I understand that. I mean, 24 years in the military, I get it. Um, but at the same time, Mike, somewhere in here, we have to we have to look at the positives. And there are some positives, right? Because you don't want to just go, well, that's it. Show's over, folks. You might as well run for the hills. I mean, well, what? <laughs> that's that's not a good life. Well, no, that, and, I mean, that's the reason why we're you know, doing this show is because, it, it, right. again, to say elections do have con- – yes, am I disappointed? Yes. Does that mean I'm giving up? No. it's not. I don't think of it's course. a negative to kind of pick over it to say here's where it went wrong. But we've got to stop. This is what we seem to be continuously doing. We're, we're, we're running backwards, losing the battle, retreating, retreating, retreating. At some point, we've got to figure out what are we doing wrong and how do we fix well, it? You know, that's, that's two of the things we've, we've done this morning. I mean, or two of the points we make right here that I think you have to work on changing. One, as small as it may sound to some, the Matsu did it. Others need to do it. Line up your elections. If Anchorage had a non-special election that was lined up with the general election, Mike, in November, it would not be a freaking uh, assembly in Anchorage that looked like something that makes Berkeley look conservative. It wouldn't be. Because you would have more conservatives coming out to vote. These are very close elections with conservative candidates in Anchorage, but they always get their public sector union people out in the AFL, CIO, IBW types. They get their people out with their get out the vote thing because they got tons of money to spend and they do. Well, we need to do that. So you want to know how to win some of these? Start fighting back. Figure out how to get a petition to line up the election like the Matsu did in Fairbanks and Kenai and Anchorage. And you'll start taking some of these back. Figure out how to get conservatives to start coughing up checkbooks. Right. 
instead of just getting on the radio and complaining or saying, well, this is terrible, I'm tired of it, whatever, well, get your checkbook out and get involved. I get tired of saying it, Mike, over and over, same thing. It takes money. It takes good candidates. It takes good policy. Part of that good policy is lining up the elections. So my point is just saying that when I look at things, I go, there are days you get down. That's natural human, right? Sometimes you get, you know, you're a little bit upset. It's a tough day. You look at last night, go, man, you know, you kind of hang your head a bit. But at the same time, think about some other things. Look at what's happening across the country. And I know leftists, progressives, Marxists, communists, name them. Oh, we got some communists on the Anchor Assembly Board. They have gone so far so fast that a lot of people are starting to kick back. Parents are starting to wake up on school boards and go, what are you doing to my kids and putting them in to homeschool and charter schools and other stuff? You look at across the country where people are starting to go, what's up with this border thing? You've got President Clinton in New York. I'll, I'll stop. We'll continue. But they're, they're fighting. But said, no, we can't do this. It's there's hope, right. Mike. We just got to find it. Mike Shower is our guest. Uh, continue, <laughs> continuing on here this morning. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. Please like and share. Uh, there's a bunch of you here, whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Please hit the share button. Please hit the share button. Uh, get more people involved. Maybe that's a help to do it. Maybe get more people involved to talk about these things. Share the show and the podcast, et cetera. Here we go. Jumping back in. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. I'm not. My mom says I'm a perfect angel. Don't believe a word he says. Uh, all right, we're back. Postmortem on the elections. Elections have consequences. Mike and I were just talking during the break about how, you know, we don't want to get too negative. I mean, yeah, it feels like <laughs> Greg just said the results of the elections each year kind of feel like getting coke. As a result of the election results, it kind of feels like getting kicked in the coconuts every year. And yeah, sometimes it does feel that way. It feels like, oh, again. We failed again, and it's like we're not learning the lessons of history. I'm not trying to be negative, Nelly. I'm trying to pick this thing apart to say, okay, we 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 messed it. We missed again. How do we fix it? How do we do it? How do we get people motivated? Yes, I think you're right. Aligning the elections, huge thing, and it should be a push. Maybe that needs to go on the charter of changes that we should align the election so that everybody has a voice on a single day. Um, you know, the, the 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 money thing. I mean, the left has got that figured out. They've got pockets of money and groups that are pumping monies into various campaigns in smaller states all over the country. Maybe we need to do the same thing on the conservative side. I mean, you know, but but we need to have solutions here, Mike. That's the problem. And we're just it's like we get stuck in that analysis paralysis loop where we're analyzing, but we're not moving forward. What big groups, so let's, so let's think about that. Like I said, we're breaking this down. So they said, you know, we've talked off so far, candidates, right? You got to have good candidates. If you have the perpetual candidate that loses, that doesn't help you out much. And we're pretty good at doing that sometimes. So you got to have really strong candidates. That matters. That's number one. Number two, we said you really do need to line these elections up so that you get everybody out at once. And I'll, I think you'll see a more balanced approach when the state on general election days tends to break red or conservative or Republican, but in local elections, it goes the other way. That kind of tells you something, Mike. The general population as a whole in Alaska does not vote leftist, does not vote progressive, but there is a certain strong group of progressives in Alaska in these central areas that will vote progressive. And if you're off cycle, the conservatives don't come out in mass. They don't do that. They're probably working, right? They got a job, whatever, but they're not there. 
And so you break it up and the left knows that. So they're going to do their best to keep off cycle elections. So that's another thing that is a solution that we should be working on. A third thing is money. Talked about this, but I, I, I hate to be that guy looking at it coming. Folks, it, the money matters. Money's not evil. It's just a tool. But the left does have deep pockets and they have got a great network for moving money around to places that are important. And we are terrible at that as conservatives. We get very little money or it comes in ways that we don't particularly care for. I mean, I saw that in my election, right? It was like union money going to the other candidate, union, 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 right? Well, what does that tell you? The point is, is that there is a way to get money, um, but we on the right are not very good at it. But we also don't have the same um, horsepower, if you will, from like having big unions. What are the big groups? I mean, we got to think about that. That's a problem, right? How do you solve it? What big groups support people on the right? Well, unions generally break left, right, and support theirs. I, I told this about my own union. I'm in a private sector union. They wouldn't even endorse mass for no money. Why? One of my friends was on the board. This was years ago, and he's, he was on the you know the committee meeting where they were discussing you know just endorsing me. And there was a couple militant left wingers, which is surprising in a group of pilots, right? Because generally a pretty conservative group and a lot of military. And we'll never, ever, ever put our name behind a Republican. Didn't even know me. <laughs> it's like, Bowie, but you had an R by your name. So we're in union. So we can't support that guy. So um, if I had just put a D in front of my name or an I, they'd probably, oh, sure, fine. We'll support that guy. So my point is, Mike, is that the, the left candidates, Democrats and leftists, they will get that kind of support almost by default because they just, the, the people that supply that money just want them in place because they generally know they're going to enact those policies in line with them. So we better find ways to get more money. And that includes maybe big donors, maybe big groups. Some of these are, we're going to have to figure out how to do it though, Mike. I don't have great answers on this one because fundraising is tough for people on the right, unless you have big pockets, right? Or you get a big benefactor behind you, well, then maybe you're going to get some money, but it's, it's right. tough. I reached out to my, my oldest son in California for some folks down there to ask for some very wealthy people just to say, Hey guys, you know, It'd be nice if we could get some out-of-state support for some, and I was talking broadly, not just mine, but up broadly, to go, you know, if you want Alaska to stay open for resource development, you want us to be, you know, mining for gold and silver and rare earth elements and drilling for oil and gas and logging and all this stuff that we need to do for national security to ensure that the United States has its own supply of raw materials that we need and not depend on places like China that are hostile to us or Venezuela or other places, then we need to have candidates that are going to be for that. And we're losing Alaska in that sense. And they're like, what, what? You know, so maybe part of it's messaging and getting these networks built up to funnel money to the appropriate candidates that do that, both local, state, et cetera. Yeah. Um, well, but, I, I know, hate and, I, but, and I'll be honest with you. I would hate to see it become a bad. I agree with you in, in part and in principle. But what I would really hate to see is Alaska become like the battleground for a lot of these different interest groups from the left and the right, where they're pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into all these races from outside and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, basically utilizing Alaska as a pawn to try and, you know, fight their proxy wars, so to speak, uh, in on Alaska's uh, on Alaskan soil. That's a tough thing. Uh, but maybe that's what has to happen to begin with. I don't know, because we are getting My, out. Was, we're getting outspent. There's no doubt about it. The independent expenditures and the PACs and the non-candidate, all that kind of stuff. They they are outspending us left and, you know, left and right. Significantly. So my point is to your, I, I agree with you in the sense of I would like to not see that happen as well, but that's irrelevant. It's already happening. They're already doing it so that if we do not figure out how to step up and start networking for resources, primarily money to win, well, then we're going to lose. 
because you have to have money to do this. I mean, just getting out the vote is, I mean, we're in the Matsu right now looking at a candidate for school board that's a former NEA president who's getting tons of money, guess what, from the National Education Association to try to take out a seat of a guy that's been on the board for 15 years, Department of Correct. I like the guy, seems pretty solid, wants to enact good policies for the kids, but boy, they have got tons of money behind them and the teachers unions and it's going to still be an off year election, right? Not off cycle, but off year elections can be tough. So, and that's again, the most conservative part of the state. It's in a battle right now to see if we can do this because they've got all this money to get it out. And the Republican side is struggling to get money to get out the vote, to get people there. So this is not, it's not a small thing, Mike, but whether you like it or not you specifically, but us, whether we like this or not, that's part of the battle. You need bucks for it to have those Buck Rogers. And we don't have enough bucks right now to win some of these battles, especially in the off-cycle election. Again, not as important in big election years. Conservatives generally come out and vote, but not in the off-cycle one. So, But I want to go back to two things. First of all, I want to be clear for the record that it dinged twice in the break and you were talking, not me. So it was not my fault this time that it went over. It was you. <laughs> we didn't We didn't go over. We were fine. I, I got it. It's- no, but there was two dings. We almost never get two dings. Yeah. So, um, and then the, uh, the other part I do want to go back to that. I think this is important that people, you know, you don't walk out of this going, man, hanging your head low and, you know, it's okay to be a little depressed or a little upset. That's human nature. We, we, we emotionally go up, up and down, right? That's fine. But like we were talking when the, when we got the dings on the break, it is important. I think people see that, you know, it's not like all hope is lost. I mean, look at what's happening across the country. There are parents finally waking up to just how far and how fast the left has stepped across lines. And people go, whoa, enough of this. It is time to stop this and start taking it back. Parents are going after the school boards. They're going after policy. They're taking their kids out of the system. They're recognizing something's wrong. When you've got Bill Clinton and the governor of New York both basically breaking with the president going, okay, enough. The border crisis is real and we got a problem here. We got to do something. It's it's happening so fast, Mike, in a lot of cases that even people, centrist ones that would be a classic liberal, not a progressive Marxist communist, but a, a just a classic liberal like Bill Meyer are going, this is nuts. You guys have lost your mind. So there is some hope in the sense I think people should take from that, that a lot of Americans are waking up to the craziness. Even some that would be considered liberal, but not progressive, are going, whoa, wait a minute, this party's lost its mind. These policies are going to destroy the country. They're seeing it and starting to speak out about it. So I think I read an article last week and it was like, you know, conservatives hold your fire. The essence was like the left is starting to eat itself right now. It's it's becoming so fractured, so crazy. I mean, literally so crazy, Mike, with their thoughts and policies that people are like, okay, that's enough. I've had it. And so... When you see the right starting to step up and notice this and, and get a little more engaged, when you see even the center or liberals that used to be left that are now center um, starting to speak out, I don't know, Mike. I, I I take some hope from that because I think people are starting to go enough of this. Now, local elections, everything we talked about, I get it because I think there's some problems that we're not handling well. Um, on the political spectrum that we need to be solving. And we've talked about some of those, but I think nationally as a, as a country, a lot of the United States, the citizenry is starting to wake up. So I'm going to take hope from that and go, well, let's use that to our advantage. And what I, what I mean by that is let's, let's see if we can build some momentum with some of these ideas and get people involved. Because when people are upset, when they start getting involved like this, that's the time to 
in essence, make your move. That's the time to start, you know, going out and go, it's time to take part of our country back. We did it with SCOTUS, right? Right. We finally have a Supreme Court that is ruling in accordance with the Constitution, not left-wing values that go back to communism into the 20s, 30s, and 40s. You know, from the court system, we're finally winning some of that back. You know, it'd be nice if we could do that in Alaska. Oh, judicial selection. I won't go there. I have a bill for that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's some things that we should be doing. I think that would help us strategically long term make a difference, right? Cleaning up our election rolls. I've been working on that for years, trying to get that done. Um, there are strategic things we can do that will be difficult through a legislature that is centrist at best, right? I mean, because it really is. The Alaska, let's be honest, I'm not going to pull punches on Alaska is a very centrist legislature. And in some cases, depending on the day, or which makeup, it's actually left of center, right? Even though your state's kind of right. So, you know, anyways, I'll stop there. Let's, I, I can see you want to say something. No, I mean, I, I mean, I agree. I think that that is, it does give us hope when you start to see some of this cannibalization that's happening in the, you know, in the, on the left and things like that. I think people are, uh, you know, waking up to certain things. But at the same time, when I see that, when I see people pushing back on school boards and things like that, I would have thought that these races in Fairbanks would have been a lot closer. Not quite, not kind of the bloodbath. And you had, you know, you had some incumbents on there that were doing some good work and getting killed. So, I mean, I think that there's again a, a lot of things that we need to pull from this. Um, I want to ask a question in regards to because if we can't realign, because there, if we try and realign the elections, that there's going to be huge pushback. Why? Because they know that they will lose the advantage of the special interests if they move these elections into a larger arena. So maybe we have to have that as a plan, as an overall goal, but we have to have a secondary plan as to how do we get the vote out. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Uh, How do we get the vote out uh, for the people who are there? How do we get more conservatives to to participate in the off elections? Yes, you're right. In the regular elections, they come out, you know, wholeheartedly. How do we get them to come out, though, in the off elections if we can't make that change? How do we do that? Mike Showers, our guest, we will ask him this question on the other side. We'll be back with more The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Uh, Mike Shower is our guest here on the program. Wow, some of the things that, it, wow, that's all I could say. Wow. Um, some of the comments. Um. Yeah, I mean we've got different races that are going on here. Um let me go let me go to some of the commentary here talking about Republicans need to get involved, says Dick, uh, and direct their regions and districts. The two gamble race in my assembly district is a classic. I mean, the problem with assembly races is that they're nonpartisan, right? So they're not supposed to be um they're not party endorsed or party affiliated. Uh, but you know who the conservative candidates are and who they aren't uh, and endorse, you know, the, the parties aren't going to endorse that. But, yes, I think that there's plenty of blame to lay at the feet of the state party for many things. And and, uh, you know, especially when you get into these state races and they're not they're so schizophrenic in their support of, 
you know, certain candidates and and some of the things. I mean, some of the things that happened to Mike during the uh, during the last election, where as an incumbent, he received a fraction of what his opponent received uh, in those supposedly from a conservative party. I mean, there's there's some serious problems there as well, Mike. Sure. I mean, that that is something that we have seen that you have. Um, bias and partisanship, even within the Republican Party, especially, you know, at higher levels at times, they're only interested in seeing somebody get elected that has an R in front of their name. I've had those conversations where they come back and say, well, we don't really care what they do when they get down there as long as it's a Republican. I'm like, really? You don't care. So a, you're happy that the Senate has 11 Republicans and nine Democrats. Yes. But it's controlled, majority controlled by Democrats because those eight Republicans join with those nine Democrats. So you really only care about getting a majority of Republicans elected, even if they govern as moderates or left, because they handed control of most of the policy committees and the Senate Finance Committee to Democrats. Well, we don't get involved in that. Well, that's a mistake, in my opinion. If you're going to support Republicans that go out and join with Democrats and then and then govern left, well, why would you support them as a party? What's the point of a party that's not good? You think the Democrats would support somebody that was just a Democrat if all they ever did was join with the Republicans and and govern as a conservative Republican? They wouldn't do that. But they're not they're they're not apologetic in that, Mike. They don't they're they're not afraid to offend in that sense. They go forward and execute their game plan. It doesn't matter what they say. As long as the ends justifies them or the means justifies the ends, they're fine. They'll play the game that way. And we're afraid to do that at times, I think. Or we aren't looking at the broader picture and holding people accountable. That's pretty normal up here. We've seen that. You know, I mean, not getting involved in things. And I'm not going to go, we've talked enough about it, kick the dead horse, but things like the Binding Caucus. Other states don't do that. But we govern in a way that times just makes you scratch your head and go, what are we doing? But the Republican Party, Sometimes, not always, and not every district is the same, right? It's like saying we talk about school districts. I've, I've learned to nuance that. Not every school district in Alaska is performing poorly. Some are doing pretty good, but the whole drags it down, right? Based on bigger policies and things that are happening. But you can't broad brush everything. Some Republican districts and regions are doing pretty good. Some of them aren't. Not everybody in the Republican Party leadership is is necessarily executing policy that you know, they don't care how they govern, they only care that they have people elected with an R in front of their name. So it's, it's hard to broad brush every organization, but certainly um, I think that as Republicans, the party can do a better job of holding Republicans accountable for their record, how they actually behave when they get down there. You know, there are, there's a Democrat or two that probably govern more conservatively <laughs> <laughs> than some of our Republicans do. Right, well, right. brother, that can be a problem. So, right. um, you know, hey, I, it's just, just or maybe an highlight problem, or maybe an opportunity. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's an opportunity. I mean, at some point, I got to start asking the question of, uh, you know, wh- when do the parties stop being relevant in that regard? You know, like in Alaska, does it become? Uh, more of an independence issue rather than a Republican issue because they're just not upholding what they need to know. And, you know, what does that do for us? Does it fracture the one side or the other? I don't know. It's uh, it, it's uh, it's I don't know, Mike. I mean, yeah. I mean I, look, I'm a Republican because I believe the Republican Party platform, the principles are timeless. I believe those principles are the best principles for our country. I believe they give us the most hope, the most economic freedom, the most law and order that we can live in an ordered society and have those freedoms. The Constitution, what it does, what it says. I mean, I believe in those things. And I think the Republican Party principles, platform, et cetera, is the best one. 
That's why I'm a part of it. I think the Democrat Party has progressive, far left, Marxist, communist, crazy stuff in it for what they want to do that is not reasonable or even sane in some cases. So it doesn't make sense. So I still believe in the party platform, what we do, but that doesn't mean the party itself or the people involved, because this is a human venture, is necessarily going to do it right or be the best um, executor of those principles, right? Um, because we've seen that often enough, right? So, you know, hey, ding. Ding. I did good on that one. Yeah, you did good. Right at it. Well, see, that's that's how it works. And uh, now we've got 20 seconds, so we're all good. Uh, thank you, Mike Shower. Our guest, we're going to continue uh, talking with him about, uh, well, all this stuff and uh, hopefully get some ideas from him on how to get out the conservative vote, even in an off cycle election time. So let's get back to it. One final segment, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Here we go. Okay, we're continuing now. Mike Shower is our guest. Uh, we're talking about uh, kind of the postmortems on election, and uh, we're going to give him a little bit of free reign here in the last segment. But before we do, I had one final question because we saw this. I mean, we're going back to the uh, you know going back to the election turnout, and and I agree with Mike that an alignment of the elections all on a single day. It's the same thing that Ben said. We should have just one national day of elections. Uh, you know, make them all the first Tuesday in November. So no matter what uh, is happening in Alaska, no matter what area you are, that your city council or your borough assembly or your platting or planning or your boards or whatever, that they're all voted on on the same day. Uh, that would make a lot more sense because it would give people, they would know it's coming. But we know that there's going to be, if we try that, there's going to be tremendous pushback. And yet we look at some of the voter turnout, you know, down in the peninsula. Again, the one that stands out is that District 5, where there was a 6.88% voter turnout. Uh, there was not a 20% voter turnout, I don't think, anywhere uh, in the state, from what I've seen. Overall, in the Fairbanks North Star Borough itself, 18% voter turnout in the Fairbanks North Star Borough. Which is, again, it's 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 pathetic, Right. I mean, that's a pathetic amount of voters to turn out. But that's where we've been between 12 and 18 percent in voter turnout all over the place. And that Mike, is that's you, just insane. If you say if you say that you want local elections off cycle, then the reality is you are a proponent of suppressing the vote. I don't care what other lies you want to push. If you say you want off cycle elections, you are a proponent of suppressing the vote. I'll say it again. Because they know doggone good and well that only the smaller groups are going to get out, a, a much smaller group of people, generally the ones that side with them and special interests are going to get out the vote of their groups to help them gain and maintain power. They do not want a bigger, broader general election in some of these places because they know they will probably lose. In other words, that means they are, they are a proponent of suppressing the vote of a majority of the people by having these off-cycle elections. So it is not a winnable argument when you want to say, well, I, uh, off-cycle elections are better. For, for what? For suppressing the vote? Because that's really all they do. Right. They suppress the vote and give immense power to special interests that can get out the vote from their groups. Okay. So one, they're suppressing the vote. It doesn't make sense from a cost perspective, because if we were going to line up national elections all the way down every year the same day, well, that's cheaper. 
That means you only have to hire election workers and go through the paperwork and all the process and everything one time. Right. One time. That's right. it. Not two, three, four, ten different times. So it is cheaper. It is more efficient. It does not suppress the vote. It allows the most people to be involved in our democratic republic, the hey. process. It is a much better system, Mike, and we need to push that narrative. Hey, hey, I'm with you. You don't have to oversell me on it. I'm with you on it. That's I, I, I'm not trying to oversell you. I want you I, ask I, me I, how. I, this is no, no, but but here's but here's this. but here's the question. It it, it 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 don't misunderstand me. Here's the question. I agree with you. It, that in a, in a perfect world, I'd wave my magic wand. That would happen, but it's going to be a fight. And in the meanwhile, we still need to figure out how to get conservatives up off their rusty dusties to go out and vote. Hmm. In the meanwhile, while we're still while we start to fight this battle over the alignment of election days, so how do we do that? How do we motivate? Because as you said, statistically, you can see it. They're not getting out on these smaller elections, but they're all coming out on on in November. So how do you get them to jump through the hoops to do the October, the April, the whatever day that they're doing these elections? How do you get them moving? How do you get them motivated? How do you convince people, a rhetorical question, right? How do you convince people that ranked choice voting was good when they know that the majority of people now in the state don't like it? You hit them over the head time after time after time with a thousand radio ads and TV ads and flyers saying ranked choice voting is great. 72% of the people love it. Well, that's not true. But they just keep saying it, Mike. And just like Goebel said, you know, in, in Hitler's, that, that repeat the big lie often enough, people will start to believe it. So if you want to win, then we need to start convincing people. I go back to the same mantra I said at the start, money. It takes money. We've got, it takes seven times is what I believe the psychologists say. Seven times somebody has to hear something before they generally remember it. Seven times. So let's triple that, right? Let's go. We have to tell people the elections are coming up all the time, over and over and over again, on social media, on the radio, radio ads, TV ads, flyers. That stuff costs money, Mike. You're doing it kind of for free on your show, but- it costs money. So if you're asking the question of how we're going to do it between now and then, like the Matsu put in an ordinance, they, they got enough people to sign it. They put the ordinance on for the line, the elections up and that won, right? It, so maybe that's what Fairbanks should be doing. Get a group of people, get it on the ballot, do it in Kenai, do it in Anchors, wherever you can get it on the ballot locally. So you line it up. That's how the Matsu did it. So that's going to take the legwork and and another answer to the question, that's legwork, but that's the longer term you asked for, right? How do you do it in the meantime? Mike, I, I don't know what else to tell you other than it's going to take money. You got to buy the ad time. You got to buy the space. You got to put it in front of people over and over individually. Of course, get on the radio program. Let me ask somebody, how many people are on what's important in the Matsu Valley on Facebook? I think there's 20,000 something people on that. How many people on the, that are listening go to that and continually over and over and over again, keep putting, hey, the election's coming, the election's coming, just put it out there. It doesn't even have to be partisan. Just show people, get them to the polls. And if you get them to the polls, well, and they're conservative, they're going to vote for Republicans, except, you know, whatever. So how many people are doing that, right? I mean, are you going to every website you're on? Are you calling into radio programs all the time and and voicing that opinion? These are the things we individually can do. And if enough of us do it, well, we'll start to make some impact. Is it enough? I don't know. You add that to the money to get out the vote, to put it in front of people and over, over and over and over again, that will help to make a difference. It's what the left is doing. We don't have the power of big unions and special interests and that kind of money behind us. So we're going to have to fight the same kind of battle, Mike, just probably at a lower level. Um, and you got to kind of be the, the union organizer, right? How many of you go to community councils and keep telling people, hey, the, the election's coming, the election's coming, and keep throwing it out in front of people? Get them out to vote. Did you show up to your community councils and assembly meetings and hand out flyers that the vote's coming? Right. I mean, do you do that? Um, do you put it on these bigger groups and share it across? Like, so, so 
it's going to take that kind of effort because I got news for you, brother. That's how the left does it. That's what they do, right? Flyers and, and advertisements and get people to meetings and show up and say it over and over and over again. And they get their people out. And sometimes they get them out with fear, right? Oh my gosh, if you don't show up for this election, then, you know, <laughs> the sky is falling, you know, and they, they scare them. You're, you're going to lose your union job. You're going to, and they'll do that too. And that will, fear is unfortunately a great motivator for people. So, you know, and I hate to, I, I don't want to be that kind of proponent of saying, well, we should scare the people into voting, but the left certainly scares their union members with things like that. Um, so all of these things are parts and pieces, Mike, before you get to the bigger strategic things of like, you know, changing the ordinance, you know, and, and having a petition signed, that would certainly be something people should be working on in their individual areas. Um, work on your party too. If you're yeah. not involved in, in a Republican party and you're more of a conservative person, whatever, maybe you should go. Um, if you're not a Republican, you want it, maybe you should still go anyways and, and take a look and see what's going on. Um, those things do matter. And Mike, let's be honest about showing up for things that matter when, so let's say that you, now you have a very left wing council in Fairbanks, North Star Borough. Right. What happens though, when you have a contentious issue, they try to do that they're not able to hide when people like on your, like your listeners, pay attention to what they're doing and catch these little things that they try to get away with. And all of a sudden 500 people show up at that meeting. What do they generally do at those meetings? Uh, we're going to not talk about this tonight or try, we're going to push this. And then they try to hide it somewhere and, and bring it up in three months. Right? right. If you pay attention, if you watch what they're doing, you can still counter even a left wing board, but they've got to stay active and they've got to show people. And we've been doing that in the Matsu for years now. When they had some of these little things, the previous one that was pretty left wing and Matsu of all places in the Matsu borough, you remember this, Mike, we'd have four or 500 people show up. Yeah. Rallies outside the Matsu borough building and boy, they'd change. They wouldn't do that policy because like, uh Oh, yeah. they, they no, I mean, the hornets you could still have an effect. That's for sure. But you have you to remain engaged and you have to pay attention. Right. All right. Down to the last uh, couple half minutes here. Um, so elections have consequences, local elections especially. It's what we should be focusing on, local, borough, state, those kind of things. Stop paying attention to it. Mike, um, are you girded up? Are you ready to go for the next session here? Are you ready are You ready to get into it? I mean, Mike, look, I'm in a minority of three. Um, a couple Republicans sold their soul for power. I got it. Um, so we're going to be marginalized. There's no way around that. I mean, I'm like I told you, I'm already looking to the next election cycle and hoping that next time around, maybe we'll get a few Republicans that aren't going to throw the conservatives under the bus that would actually be interested in Republican governorship and not just their own power. So that's that's one thing I'm hoping for. That's hope, right? And that um, the uh, not only that, that we would have some people that come in there, but um, we look and see what happens in the house and, and hopefully reorganize with something a little bit different. And some of the members that didn't know us coming into this, hopefully, you know, because we've gotten along well, we'll be less willing to come in under the thumb of the, the old guard and say, you know what, that wasn't really good for me to join with, you know, eight Democrats that don't have anything in common with what I'm trying to do. And maybe they'll come next time and go, you know, we need to be Republicans and stick together, even if there are some personality conflicts and get past it. So I'm just at this point focused on next November right now, because I think the session, as far as the Senate goes, in my opinion, is lost. Um, so yes, girded for battle, but um, it's going to be mostly up to the House and the governor on blocking bad stuff. I think that's going to generally come out of the Senate. That's just what it is. I mean, that you, you read the battlefield, you got to know that. So we'll do our best. We'll put bills in. We'll try to 
make speeches on the floor. We'll go to the committees and, and work with our allies. But it's going to be it's not going to be a very um, conservative session. I can tell you that in the best case, we will block some of these bad bills that they're trying to spend you know, the better part of a billion dollars on that will, by the way, take all the dividends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they've got bills in there right now that are going to wipe it out. So it's uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully those will not make it through the House and hopefully the governor will be a backstop just in case, like he vetoed most of the out of the formula funding additions that they, they did this year. So we'll see. You know, Mike, there's hope on the horizon. It's not all lost. All is not lost. No, it's no. just going to be a battle. Don't you know, grow. Hey. Don't grow weary and well doing. That's all we can That's say right. at this point. Um, All right, uh, Mike Schauer, uh, thank you so much for coming on board, folks. We are out of time for today. Tomorrow, well, we'll see. I was kind of waiting to see who I was going to try and put in there. Well, maybe we'll bring in some of the candidates who lost. We'll see what happens. We got more coming up then. Uh, Be kind, love one another, live well. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Have a great day. Mike Ben Carpenter says he's in the chat room right now. Uh, Mike is saying you have to be organized. You need to communicate well. It takes money to do both. The political party is the entity that is designed to do all three, except for when you have one that is completely inept or dysfunctional. Uh, that's the that's the kind of the problem I think we're facing in Alaska right now, more than anything else. But I I, I don't disagree with you, Mike. I think those are all great things. I mean we. We've we've got to fight. We've got to fight for these things, and we can't we can't stop now. But you're right. Uh, David Boyle said something earlier. He said, "I learned, I learned one thing about conservatives while volunteering for the Alaska Policy Forum for nine years." He said, "They are lazy and cheap." I don't know if they're lazy. They're just not necessarily paying attention to them. They are cheap. I will say that. I know that. I've seen. I've been outraised when I was running all the time. Um, but they do get out when when the when the chips are down, they can get out there and do it. You just got to find a way to motivate them to do it. And so it's all about what Mike and Ben have been talking about all morning. Mike, you get the final bite at the apple here. Yeah. So, yeah, David is not wrong there. I mean, you know, it's it's hard. That's what I'm trying to point out. It's hard to get conser- the conservative side of the political spectrum to put their money where their mouth is. And we do step up, but it's almost too late, right? It's like you're the fireman, you're the volunteer fireman. The house is on fire, then you show up and try to put it out. It's like, well, it'd be nice if we were ahead of the curve and never let the house catch fire in the first place, but we're terrible at that. And the, the left is generally much better. You just have to acknowledge that and try to make a shift. Where I agree with Ben that the party is organized, but my counterpoint to that is that if the party um, only is organized to elect Republicans, but then does not hold them accountable, to how they govern and let the same people go back over and over and over again that are joining with Democrats that are that are governing left of center and making the Republicans or conservatives in the state frustrated and feel apathetic and tired of banging their head against the wall, well, then the party is losing its effectiveness. And so I agree with Ben that you do have the party to do those three things. But if the party is not going to execute well in the end, then people lose faith in the party and then they don't want to give their money. They don't want right. to give their time. And so you it's hard to win that battle when the other side is doing a much better job of it. I'm not arguing that that's not true what he said, because it is. But it's it's how well it functions in this particular case and what it does. And so then you start seeing splinter parties like the Tea Party and other things. Why? Because they're frustrated that the Republicans are not upholding their values. Right. They're very principles in their platform where they don't uphold it and hold their 
the Republican elected officials accountable, people go, enough, you're not, you're yeah. not it, you're not doing it. And so I see that. And that's that's a part of it as well. So Michelle made one last point. I should bring it up. I know she sometimes tries to whisper Mary and remind me. That's one more thing is that Republicans need to stop fighting. She's just watching the comments. Republicans need to stop fighting Republicans. And that is another one of our problems that we tend to circle the wagons, as we have said many times here, and shoot inwards, as opposed to organizing and coalescing around the platform and shooting outwards and taking on Democrats. When you have Republicans trying to go after other Republicans because they're not this, they're not that, um, and the, the Democrats left all the way to the seat and went. Right. And so even if we don't like that Republican, or he's not conservative enough or he's too moderate, he's whatever, there's a point at which you need to coalesce around at least somebody that's more aligned with you politically and not the other side and focus your energy, efforts, money, et cetera, on the other side and not letting them win. And we are really, really good at destroying ourselves and doing the work of the Democrats and far left progressives for them. We got to do better at that too, Mike. That's one more piece yeah. I probably should have mentioned earlier. So that, that'd be where I'll end it for today. All right. Well, Mike Shower, thank you, my friend. It's uh, it's good to talk with you. As always, uh, lively and interesting conversation. Uh, and again, just don't grow weary in well-doing. Mike, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? See you next week, Mike. Cheers. All right, folks, we are out of time. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show continues tomorrow. I hope you guys I hope you guys have a great uh, I hope you guys have a great day. We will uh, we'll see you then. Again, be kind. Love one another. Live well, do all that good stuff. And we will see you on the other side. Have a great day. We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.